live off your calendar, time block your day, and when it's time to go home and see the family, go home. You're going to be able to make that money tomorrow. You're going to be able to make it the next week because there's always going to be an opportunity if you educate yourself properly in, in real estate. There's always going to be deals. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Jay London. Jay is a former cop who created financial independence through real estate investing. And today we're learning about his journey, getting started with rental properties, flips, and then gradually building up to development. And then what he's working on today, which is self-storage investing. We go through his lessons from getting started as a real estate investor, scaling up, learning lessons about time, money, financial independence, and so much more, and why he's focusing on self-storage investing today. A lot of great lessons in this one. I found Jay because I read his book, which I found on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon as well, Stop Chasing Paychecks. I recommend checking it out. A lot of great lessons in there. Now, he's sharing a lot of great lessons with us on this interview today. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investments. To date, I've invested in, partnered on, acquired, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate investments. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please, please, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much, you guys. I really do mean that. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I see your ratings and reviews, and it gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling every single time because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Jay London. Let's go. Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to go through your journey of building wealth and financial freedom through real estate investing. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, could you rewind the clock for us and tell us about you know your story, how you got started investing in real estate? Sure. I grew up in a small farm town in Oklahoma, and um, I always it was funny because I I had a vision board before I knew what a vision board was. There was two things on that vision board that I wanted to own one day, and I said I need to figure out how to do it. So. I went off to college thinking college was the answer because of nothing else. And, and I realized that I was not a very good college student after about a year and a half of a 0.75 GPA. I said, I needed to go to work. I left law enforcement, got into law enforcement job for about eight years and realized that I was still never going to be able to live the lifestyle that I wanted to live on that measly little law enforcement paid. And I knew everybody I talked to that had money was in some time, some kind of real estate. And I said, I've got to figure this game out. You know, all I was ever taught is you buy farm, buy land and you, you farm it or, you know, you do something, you know, and let her appreciate. And after 50 years, it makes money. But that's, these guys were making crazy money in a very short time. And I said, I've got to learn, but I don't know nobody. I don't, you know, I'd always ask them. And, you know, when you're in law enforcement or you're in uniform, people will always stop and talk to you, you know, because they really have a choice. But I would ask them questions, you know, like, how did you make it? What do you do? And this and that. Not not like an interrogation, but I had have a conversation with them, and they I always found out they was on they's in real estate. And I said, well, I don't know anything, but I'm going to go buy a house, buy a house, and see what I can do. So bought a house and rented it, and or painted it, lipsticked it, put a tenant in it, and I said, well, I don't cash flow on about a hundred bucks a month. And I said, 
okay, it's making a hundred bucks a month, but this is never going to make me wealthy. So I got to learn. So like everybody else, I started going to seminars and reading every book I could and uh, eventually started getting into flipping houses. And that's where I learned my construction side. And I was still in law enforcement. And I guess after about three years, I was finally turned in my resignation because I'd made more on one house in 90 days and I made working a year job. Uh, and from there, went into uh, home building and I've built well over 500 homes. I quit counting seven years ago, <laughs> the 500, done residential developments, apartment build apartment buildings, industrial buildings. Gosh, what else have I done? But anyway, right now I have a, a I still have a custom home building business where we're cost plus only and we build luxury homes and still do some developments. I've got a residential development coming online, but three years ago I got into self-storage and I wish I'd got into it 30 years ago. After doing all the real estate that I've done, it's absolutely, in my opinion, the best business model out there. Well, it's just me and I love it. And that's what we focus on right now. Besides our home building business, we are we dialed in on the, on the self-storage side, buying existings and developing, which I like most being a developer and a builder. I like to build the new ones because I can build more equity in it than what you can buy. Yeah. It takes us a little longer to get things done, but we, we come back, we come out of it with a lot more equity than we would if we was able to buy them. So that's got me to where I am today. I don't know what else. <laughs> that's no, no, that's great. We'll go. I can do it as fast as I could. <laughs> we'll go through it. I'm a big fan of self storage myself. But you know, I I talk with I've I have friends who are who are cops and and folks in that you know kind of similar area. You know, not not the highest earning busy professionals out there. Don't know exactly how to get started because once their personal bills are paid, they're paying their own mortgage. There's not a whole lot left over to get started in real estate investing. They're not really sure what to do to go get that first rental property or that first flip. How did you fund those early deals? Well, that was when I first got started, it was prior to the subprime era. So the Dodd-Frank Act changed everything in the bank lending world. I was in a military, very heavily military town. So we had a lot of VA foreclosures. And back then there was a company called Aquin that managed all the VA foreclosures. And you as an individual, you didn't have to have military background, but you could go in, buy a house that they had for sale and they would finance a hundred percent of it for 30 years fixed. And then they sold it to Countrywide, which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they died in the, they died in the subprime era when, when all the rest of them went down, but you could buy as many as you wanted. There was no limit back then to many houses you could own on your personal, your, your, in your personal name and, and they didn't care about your debt to income ratio. So, I mean, life was easier getting money years, you know, 30 years ago, a lot easier. But anyway, I, I got, after my first house, I said, I've got to find somebody that knows how to do this. And I became friends with a broker and he, he, he helped, he sold VA foreclosures and he kind of helped me out on. I knew the town being a cop, I knew where I didn't want to invest and where I did want to invest. So, you know, he couldn't sell me a, a, a bad deal or, you know, a junky deal. And I knew enough about real estate that, that I, I knew a, a good house and a bad house. And, you know, I'm pretty good with my hands. So I could go look at it and kind of figure out what, what needed to be done. So we got into buying houses and I owned 21 rent houses at one time. And but then we was flipping houses. I was flipping about 30 a year until flip this house came on TV and then Everybody started <laughs> buying houses thinking they was going to get rich and you couldn't get those margins no more. And I sat there and go, what in the world am I going to do? And I had a buddy hit me up and say, why don't you build some houses? And I said, oh, home builders don't make no money. What are you talking about? There's margins for terrible. 
And I said, he goes, no, really, I did okay. I just did too. And I said, well, I don't know all the guys in that business, you know, he was, because your, your new construction trades don't do remodels and your remodel construction, construction trades don't do new. They're, they're two different worlds. And he goes, well, I've got enough help. I'll help you and go through these two. And I said, okay. So I went and bought two lots, built the exact same floor plan right beside each other because I scared to death. And I sold them before I got them done. We, back then we could build houses in like 90 days and um, sold them and I'm made good money on both of them. I said, this was easy. I'm never flipping a house again. And I never did. And that was 23 years ago or something. But I have flipped when I lie. I flipped, I flipped two. I've, actually, I'm living in a flip right now because I sold my, my last house I just built waiting to get a development done so I can build my new home. But I bought this house on this three-acre track right off of Main Street because I'm going to mow the house down when I get my new one built and I'm going to build townhouses and apartments on this three-acre track. That was old point of view, so I had to put some money into a rehab and I didn't like doing it because I know I'm going to demo the thing, but I'm going to be there for a couple of years until I get the new house built. Nice. So that got me into the, the, the real estate and then it started venturing into new construction. Then it started venturing into some commercial projects and I was a big tr squirrel chaser my entire career, you know. I'd chase every squirrel in, in, the, in the world. And that's what led me to where I am in the self-storage. I bought one. I, thought, you know, I got into this department deal and syndication. And of course, it, it was hot and everybody was in it. And you know, I always wondered how people was able to do these multi, multi-million dollar projects. Because, I mean, it takes a lot of money. And I go, there's not really that many wealthy people out there. Then once I figured out what syndication was, I went, ah, this is how they do it. They put a bunch of people together. With, a, with with money and they, they do the project together. That's when I learned that. But at that time, I said, the more I started looking at apartments and I'm going, I'm just buying myself another job, another flip. You know, you got to go in and redo them and raise the rents and this and kick the tenants. And I'm going, I don't want no more rentals. I don't want no in it. I don't want no toilets. I don't want no phone calls. And I said, I, I just, I don't know. So I kicked that thing around and then I tripped across the self-storage world is because I was one of those people that had a self-storage unit at 10 by 20 for seven years because I didn't want the junk it was in it in my shop. And then it came up for sale and I said, man, this thing's got to be a cash cow. So I need to look at it. So I evaluated the same way I did with apartments. And my numbers was coming up crazily lower than what the broker had it leased for or, or li listed for. And I called him and I said, hey, how did you come up with this value? And he goes, well, Jay, what do you think it's worth? I said, man, I'm embarrassed to say it because my number saying it's worth this. And he goes, well, well, what do you think it's worth? And I said, well, let me dig into it. I just got, I said, so I'm not doing something right. Something's wrong. So I had to get some books, start reading some books, you know, and it ended up selling a hundred thousand dollars more than what I was going to offer. And it, it was, it was a, a million, they had it listed for a million nine and no, 2.9, 2.9. It ended up me selling for a million Right at a million dollars, right? No, no, it was a million dollar mistake. So it was, it was 1.9 ended up selling for a million is what it was. And I was going to offer 900 for it. And I just said, how am I a million dollars apart from this listing price? So I said, well, that was a million dollar mistake I made because I could have bought it. And then it's, it traded three times again over the next three years and got up to $4 million for the last sale. So in reality, it's almost a $3 million mistake if you really want to get technical on it. So you learn from them, you know, it's, I always say, you know, I, I I don't always remember how I made money, but I never forget how I lost money, and that it, I didn't I didn't lose that money, but I, in a roundabout way, I lost three million dollars. So, so that being said, with with uh, that made me really start digging into the self storage, still learning as much as I could about it, and 
we ended up buying our first one and it's just, it's been a roller coaster since then. You know, now I'm developing them because it got hot, you know, on cap rates. We just came out of a five, five cap or less on, on self-storage and apartments and everything, you know, and some of those shelvers still think that, you know, they're there, even though we're, you know, are bar- you can't borrow at 7% and pay five. That don't work. You know, it just don't work. But some people are still doing it because there's so much cash still out there on the market. And it's, they're putting cash into these deals where it's, it's safer there than it is in a, I mean, look, what was the bank it just went under? You know, how much money was lost in the bank? It just went down there. And so people just say, well, it's safer here in this asset at a five cap than it is sitting in a bank or it's a stock market. Or I mean, we're in volatile times, you know, so you've got to, you've got to, tangible asset there. And I've always been the thing kind of guy, if I can't touch it, I don't want to own it. So I'm not a Bitcoin kind of guy. (laughs) I've lost money in Bitcoin. I I try every new idea, new idea out there, but I just, real estate is, is always my gone to. It's your, it's the best thing. It's the best investment out there, in my opinion. You know, there's guys that's made their wealth in stock markets and other things, but ultimately I think real estate is the only way to really build wealth. So one of the things that I've found is that wealthy, successful real estate investors think about two things differently than basically everybody else. And those two things are time and money. Think about time and money differently than busy professionals. And I would imagine that at some point in your career shift from being a cop to being a a flipper, then a developer, now now a self-storage investor, you made changes in the way you thought about both those things. So First, let's start off on on how you change your thought processes about time and how you use your time, how you hire others to multiply your time in the day and everything around that. What do you how do you think about time in your business? Well, it took me many years because I hustle like every, everybody else. You know, I was always chasing that that next dollar, trying to build a name for myself and, you know, epic had epic failures to get to, to where I am today. But during that time, I sacrificed a lot, you know, during those 30 years. And it was, we all do it when we're young. We're hustle. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want to get rich. We want to own all the cars and the boats and the helicopters and all that other stuff, you know, but we don't realize how important time is and time. You can't replace it. No matter how much money you have, you can't buy any more of it. So the best advice I can give any young person starting is a live off of your calendar, time block your day. And when it's time to go home and see the family, go home because you can make it tomorrow. That money's going to be able to, you're going to be able to make that money tomorrow. You're going to be able to make it the next week because there's always going to be an opportunity if you educate yourself properly in real estate. There's always going to be deals. People get rich at the down market. People get rich in an up market. So you just got to educate yourself and wait for the good deals and find the good deals. Don't just get out there and buy something because your friend's buying and everybody else is buying. It seems like I've seen it so many times that when the market gets hot, everybody wants to get in. Well, it's not when you get in, that's when you get out. That's when you start selling. It's it's when the the markets went crazy, just like the housing market we just came off of. You couldn't buy nothing. Why? Because everybody's wanting to get in. Well, if I'd owned 50 houses, I'd be owning zero right now because I would have sold at the top of the market. So it's just, it was just like the apartment complexes and the, and the industrial self-storage. I mean, it's been hard to find a good deal because everybody's getting in, but you know, you may have to evaluate 150 properties to find that deal, but they're out there. You know, we, we just got one bought in Tulsa, Oklahoma and the, the, the deal was worth a hundred. I mean, the, just the financials said it was worth 1.5. We got her bought for 900 and we're going to turn it around 
And I think we'll be able to add close to a million two in value in a year. So, you know, they're out there and it was brought to us by a wholesaler. Didn't know how to do the deal. He just knew he had a deal and he brought, brought us, a, brought us the deal. He made good money on it and it was still a great deal for us. So, you know, the deals are out there. You just got to work harder and find them when the market's hot. Always somebody needing to sell. Nice. Look for ways to create value. Talk about being able to create value in that particular self-storage deal. What are ways that you look to create upside? What are ways that you're finding, particularly in today's market, investors in, in self-storage can create upside in their deals? What are you finding? Number one is you got to look and see if you can raise rents, see what the market is on the rents. And if you're, if you're, if your facility can sustain rents, what you're going to have to do to the facility, which is called CapEx. Do, do you need to put in new gates? Do you need to put in new parking lots? Do you need to paint it? You, you can't just go in and raise rents without doing something to a property. You know, you got to, they got to feel like, or you're going to have a mass, ex, mass exodus out of there because they're going to go somewhere else. People's got to feel like, you know, okay. We've got a new buyer. He's going to raise rents. Let's see what he's going to do. Well, you got to go in there and start putting the lipstick on the pig. You know, you got to do what you got to do to, to justify your rent raise, to get the, to get it to the market value. Then, then, you know, the next thing we look at is, is, uh, is there more land? Can we build more to, to make the thing worth? And it does the demographics support it to build more. If we, we go in and we buy, you know, my target range when we're looking at buying is thirty to 50,000 rentable square feet. In the self-storage world, we don't go by doors like you do in apartments. We go by rentable square feet. So if if we get a, find a facility that's between 30 and 50, we look at, is there another acre available? Is there outdoor parking that we can turn into buildings and get three times as much as they're getting on the parking? Can we, you know, what else can we do is, do they have rent? You know, do they require rental insurance right now? Is that something we can add, you know, to, to add value? So there's just, there's numerous ways to, to add value to a property if you get it bought right. Now, there's a lot of people out there that's done that and they're turning around and they're flipping it at the top of the market and they're trying to sell it. And there's buyers out there for that. You know, they just need, they just need to store the money. So what's so great about self-storage, it's very automated now. You don't have to have an on-site manager. You know, when you talk to a lot of these mom and pops that still own a lot of self-storage facilities, that's how they run it their entire life. And we'll come in and they say, oh, I don't think you'll be able to run this facility this way. Well, growing pains happens, you know, but you let everybody know that this is how it's going to be. And you're going to have to get set up on automatic pay and get your credit card set up. And we set up the gate systems and the overlocks and all that stuff's done automatically. We run it all, we run the facilities off our cell phones. Uh, and you know, it's, it's funny. We was looking at buying one last week and they, they built a beautiful facility and it really wasn't a lot of value add to, but it was one I wanted to own for the rest of my life. You know, it was, it was my four, one of my 401k deals is what it was. So our terms didn't agree at the end is what it was, but they, they was in their eighties and sh sweet ladies. And she, we was telling her how we was running the facilities now and she's going, I mean, that's amazing. I, mean, you know, I have to come in here to this office every day. I have tenants that come by and talk to me and tenants that do this and that. And she goes, I don't think you guys are going to be able to run this facility like that. And we had two other ones already being run like that, but we converted. And of course, you know, we don't tell them what we're going to do. We just say, okay, you know, but it's just that that's my main, that's what I love so much about self-storage is it's the closest thing I have found that is mailbox money. 
is on the first of the month, it's dinging their credit card, collecting their rent, and it's depositing into my bank account. And that's that's what I like about it. I'm not having to knock doors and say, rent's due. <laughs> I have sucker. You know, it's it's just like it's dinging. It's like a gym membership, you know. And and the thing about it is you can raise it apartment complexes, you go in, you raise a fifty hundred bucks, you're gonna run off some tenants, but that's what a lot of them do. We're raising five bucks, five bucks a month, eight bucks a month. They, they forget about it. They don't think about it, you know, and there's a little secret that you raise in the wintertime. They're not going to move by the time spring gets here. It's moving time. They've already forgot about the eight bucks, you know? So it's just like, it's another gym. It's a gym membership. You know, you, you just forget it. You, you accept it. It's, it's a cup of coffee or a Big Mac. That's a good point. I wouldn't, I didn't think about the winter thing, but for eight bucks, most people aren't willing to get a truck, rent a truck and take a day, move all their crap. They'll just pay the, the eight bucks. So a little bit earlier, you touched on maybe having to underwrite like a hundred deals before you get one that works. And that takes time to do that, to underwrite all those deals and then make offers, really take a detailed, deep dive. And you also need to, you know, make time for your life and your family and all that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. How do you kind of square that circle and, and make all those things work? Look at all those deals, make all those offers, and also make time for, you know, your wife, your family and, and you know, living your life. I've got, after all these years, I've come up with this little t- 10 minutes eval. I call it 10, 10 minute underwriting. Yeah. It's in my book, but it's, it's really simple. It's uh, to come up with a value. You need to know what their railroads are, which is their gross income that they're getting. You need to know what their expenses are. And you need to go need to know about what the cap rate is in the area. Those three things, you can come up with a value, a ballpark value of what that's worth. If they're asking, and I look and I, and I say this to everybody that asks me the same question is if you're owner is asking anywhere under that, you've got a possible deal. You got a possible deal. And you need to know your areas. Like I know in Oklahoma, anywhere in Oklahoma, just about our drive up 10 by 10s are going to be running 65 cents to 75 cents a square foot. I know my market. And, you know, and then you look, kind of see what they're renting it at. If they're at 35 cents a square foot, there's a deal. If they're 40 cents, there's a deal. You just got to go look and see what you can do to it. So you're, cause you're going to base the value on what they're what their income is. That's how you value apartment complex or anything else. You know, it's, it's the NOI, you know, and then you look at what, what their expenses are. Most of your mom and pops are paying themselves 60 or $70,000 a year in management fees. That's how they pay their bills. Well, right there, you're cutting that off right off the bat because there is no managers, you know, and you're not going to pay yourself that kind of check. You're going to roll back in the company unless you need the money to live. So you just made another 60 a, a year right there, depending on the size of the facility. So. You got to look at where you can skinny down the expenses, where you can raise value, what you can do to the building. But, you know, just that little 10 minute offer is I can do it in my head. I was sitting in Miami when a partner of mine called me on, on that deal that we bought Tulsa. And she goes, I think I got a deal, but I don't know what to do. I said, give me the numbers. When she gave me the numbers, I said, write a contract today. What? I said, write a contract. I don't know how to do that. I said, I'm, I'm emailing it to you right now. Write it just like this and send it. Send it. Oh, Okay. And I said, we'll take care of it when I get back. We get back. It was worth more than what I thought because the county assessor was missing a 6,000 square foot building. So there was actually ex- an extra 6,000 square foot on, of under roof storage than what the county showed. So yeah, it turned into a really good deal. So awesome. it's just time when it comes to time, I don't, the, the, can I buy you coffee and take you to lunch and pick your brain stuff doesn't work with me. I, I don't, you know. I just, my time is very, very valuable. And if you don't make it on my calendar, you don't get to see me. 
So <laughs> it's just that, and I don't mean that there. I don't want that to come off as arrogant because that's not it. It's just, I value my time. So I would rather somebody say, Jay, can I have some of your time? No. What do you need? Give me three questions. I'll answer them and I'll help you all I can. I'll help you right now. But tell me, tell me what I can do to help you. But I don't have time to go drink coffee with you. You know, I don't have time to go to lunch with you, but I would help. I will help you all I can. Shoot me an email, buddy. I'll, I'll answer it when I get, when I get a chance. I mean, if I know how to answer, I'll answer your questions because I, I, I want, I want to help people because I've had to learn. I've had to learn my, the hard way. And if, if I'd had some kind of a mentor or somebody I could bounce questions off of and just, they'd answer them when they got time and, and, and give me, you know, a, a true answer, God, I'd be so far ahead in life right now. So, but you see, you know, I, I live on my calendar, you know, I'm, I, my wife gets mad at me sometimes and she goes, Hey, what are you doing on Tuesday? I said, I don't know. Look at my calendar. I'm not <laughs> looking at your calendar. <laughs> I said, <laughs> Oh, I'll say, she, I just mess with her because she gets mad at me when I say that to her. Did you put it on my calendar? I'm not getting on your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but you know, it's just, I, I live, I, I live by my calendar. So that's how I time block my day. And that's how I, that's how I get everything done. Absolutely. Love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Jay, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? My first commercial property. And that's when I realized I learned what the cap rate was and how powerful it was. There is, there is nine day between residential and commercial and commercial is where the wealth is built. It took me 20 years to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Cannabis. Interesting. I was one of the financial partners on a cannabis business and that was the worst investment I ever made. I learned the hard, I knew nothing about that stuff. I don't, I don't smoke it. I didn't, I didn't even know there's two different strains. So I got involved just to learn about it. And boy, was I wrong. It, being a farm boy, I was thinking, oh, I ain't gonna be nothing to grow. We, we had to grow. And being a farm boy, I think, oh, we will grow this when we like growing tomatoes. That is the most finicky plant. I mean, golly, pH is wrong. Humidity's wrong. This is wrong. Oh, let's turn into boys and start fertilizing everything else. So <laughs> that was, that was a, that was a, a deal that I wish I had my money back on. Cause I lost a pretty good chunk of change on that one, but it is what it is. It's a lesson in really sticking to what, you know, doing an awful lot of research. And, you know, I've heard of cannabis deals go wrong seemingly more often than others, but topic for another day. My yeah. favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Don't chase squirrels. 
find you one or two things in real estate, focus on them, learn everything you can, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, making more money than you are, and drill them with questions. And focus on the two things that you really, really want to do and become an expert in it. And don't chase every squirrel out there. This hot new hidden secret of wholesaling, this hot new, oh, there's a new deal out here on flipping houses and oh, you don't know, I got, I got a secret on Airbnbs. Find two things that you could do really well or you're going to never have the time to spend with your family. That's the best advice I can give you. Absolutely. Well, Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. For folks out there, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what you're up to, if they want to find your book, which is how I found you or anything like that, where can they track you down? Stop chasing paychecks. Exactly. He's got it held up on the video. Where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Oh, uh, they can go. They can go to LondonEquityHoldings.com and just shoot me a message through there. And I'll be glad to help you out all I can. And by all means, I'm all over Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. So I try to help everybody I can. And if I can't help you, more than likely I can hook you up with somebody that could help you. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. I really do mean that. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're building wealth on Main Street along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.